This is Corey Gray and Tony Stewart from Hairdistry. Thank you for tuning in to the Hairdressers Podcast. Now here's a word from our sponsors. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yo, what's good? This is Barry Harrison, a.k.a. The Stars Barber. And uh, I just want to come at you today and tell you how schedulicity has changed my life. Like, number one, it changed my life because it helped me get more organized. I was able to structure my day, structure my week. Um, I know what type of revenue I have coming this day. If I need to run out, run an errand, uh, if I want to take lunch, I'm able to do all these things. And it just helps to structure uh, a barber or stylist or anyone that's in an appointment-driven industry. You're able to maximize your time. And time is something that you can't get back. So I value my time. And I love the customer service. And I've been with Schedulicity for over almost 10 years. I've been rocking with them for almost a decade. So happy to be part of the family. Happy. Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno. And this amazing podcast is brought to you by Schedulicity. Welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, I'm sitting with my boy, Tony. We're actually in studio now, brother. I know. What's happening, homie? I know, man. So like for the last, I don't know, four or five podcasts, we've either been uh, COVIDed out or we've been snowed out or we've been something out, but we haven't been able to actually sit next to each other, hand in hand, arm in arm. I know. And we did get uh, a couple of inches yesterday. Yeah, we got a little bit of snow yesterday, but thankfully, uh, most of it melted away before we even kind of got started. Yeah, thank God. Oof. Yeah, I know. I'm tired of shoveling. I'm tired of <laughs> shoveling too. And I have a snowblower and I'm tired of shoveling. <laughs> um, dude, I'm pretty excited about today. So I think we have a new best friend. Yeah. Anytime we have somebody you want to, I mean, I am really excited to have conversation with this dude. There is no doubt about it. I am too. We actually already did like 30 minutes before we got on. Just I know. We, we're like, hey, we got to cut you off there because all this <laughs> stuff we want to get into the podcast. Exactly. It's going to be a really uh, interesting podcast. Um, and we have a great guest who, who who believes in some awesome uh, mind games, which I, which I, mind games in a positive sense, um, which, uh, which I'm all about, as you know. So uh, it's all about the positive affirmations and, and, and how can we, uh, how can we best, uh, you know, control our brain to, uh, to, to make our actions more, uh, just better, right? Yeah, we I mean, again, we reached out to somebody that knows him. It's a good friend of his, and uh, oh well, we, I'm going to sell him out right now. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, our guest today is Kenny Duncan, and I'll tell you the very first thing, the very first words that I said to Kenny was like, "Hey, man, I vetted you," and and he said, "How'd you vet me?" And I go, "Well, I called my boy Tyreek Jackson, and and and, mm. and and said, man, I said, hey, is Kenny a good dude?'" And and he 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 responded back with one word, and that was solid. And you know, anybody that's solid ty- to Tyreek is definitely solid with us. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent man so that and, and, and that just you know just makes this conversation just that much more you know what i mean uh exciting so yeah 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 yeah. exactly so um 
Uh, I mean, let's get in, man. Let's, shall do, it. let's do it. it. So, Mr. Kenny Duncan, welcome to your day off. I appreciate you guys having me, and I'm looking forward to a great conversation, man. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We, we, we can't wait. Yeah. So, so before we get into this conversation, um, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Um, before before we get to that one, I got to tell you, the reason why I knew we was going to have a great conversation is because that accent wall in the back is like, it has so much character. <laughs> this guy right it's, it's amazing. <laughs> and that, that, that right there let me know that you guys pay attention to detail and very resourceful. So, but that being said, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this opportunity. So, Kenny, thanks, born raised, no problem, no problem. Born and raised in Philadelphia. Um, and uh, I've been in the barber industry since December 98. Oh, okay. That's when I started. 98. So he's got a couple years on him now, don't he? A couple years in the industry, don't yeah, he? He started with And, and, and if the, the funny thing is, um, I feel like, I feel like my, you know, I feel like a, a version of Tom Brady. When I'm watching the football game yesterday, um, all I can think about is that, you know, I can compare my career to, to being like his. Whereas though, uh, when I started off, uh, I was able to enjoy being a part of some legendary things. And then I'm still to this day about allowed to be a part of some legendary things that a lot of younger barbers, both then and now, aspire to be a part of. So, um, and I don't feel like I'm losing any energy, not losing any steam. Um, you know, I'm going forward. I, I don't see retirement in sight any anytime soon. And now it starts with me being passionate and dedicated to to my craft because of so many benefits that come along with it. All right. The funny thing is, I didn't even want to be a barber. That's the crazy part. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. How, so, so you grew up in Philly. Uh, mm -hmm. How did you end up becoming a barber? How did you find uh, barbery? Um, it was, it was, it was like a rubber band ball. It was little moments, uh, many different life experiences that you know built up and continued to build up until I finally made the decision. But I started the earliest rubber band. That's a part of my story was me being hairy, me being uh, needed to get a haircut for my uh, sixth grade pictures. And the barber charged me two dollars for my mustache. When that, when that happened, <laughs> so my, my mom didn't like it. Yeah, my mom didn't like it. She didn't believe me. She thought I stole two dollars from her. So she bought a battery operated trimmer for me because during that time we were so poor that I got my haircut once every six to eight weeks. And also, when she gave me twenty dollars and a haircut was ten, she expected me to come back with ten because she was calculating that for her budget. That wasn't you know, expendable money, disposable right. income. Nah, this, this was, I need that $10 back, son. And I came home with eight and it threw her math off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it threw her math off. So it, it made a big deal. She thought I stole it. And then she, to, to confirm it, she called the barber just to confirm that he actually charged me for it. Um, but that deal was once I got the trimmers, one of the things I was frustrated with, cause that was her issue. I told you what her right. issue was. My issue was my hairline when I got a haircut, was already always made crooked. And then on top of that one, I would have to wear this crooked hairline haircut for about two months. So now that I got the trimmers, she solved the problem that I had while solving the problem that she had. She right. was thinking he's not going to charge him $2 for his mustache ever again because <laughs> I bought a $4 battery operated trimmer. I'm thinking my hairline is never going to be crooked again. So I'm going to continue to fix my hairline after getting a fresh haircut and be able to try to keep myself up in between haircuts so that I can actually still be cool. That's the, right. that was the problem that got solved with that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's doing his own bang build. trim. Yeah. I don't think I had yeah. a mustache top. I think I was like 18. <laughs> yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. I was in sixth grade with a full mustache, man. It was crazy. And then, um, 
that was a, the early on experiences that um, by the time I got to high school, uh, I had a, one of my best friends name is Aquil. Uh, he was a part-time barber. And what he did was he actually asked me one day to cut his hair down. So once I learned how to, how to actually cut hair, add that to my finishing techniques that I was already practicing on myself, mm-hmm. I started cutting my own hair. So by the time I got to the 10th grade, people were asking me, hey, you know, who cut your hair? I'm like, I did. And they didn't believe me. So with me putting it to the test, you can't challenge a man's ego. <laughs> and thinking I'm not going to step up to the job. I'm like, you know what? First time is free, but next time cost. And then uh, from there, I started, you know, cutting a few people in the house. And then, um, you know, a cousin of mine, uh, not blood, but just somebody through the family that I call cousin, was um, he had a barbershop. And um, he ended up through other family members asking me to work at the shop. And uh, when he introduced me to the manager of the shop, um, Wayne Kowser, he was the one that uh, did an apprenticeship program with me to allow me to get my barber's license early on. And um, ever since then, I've been indebted to him. So our careers continue to grow and we're now partners in uh, main attraction unisex salon. And, um, and as well as we did some other projects together and it was to continue to build from there, but it wasn't until April, of 2001 that I really said I really want to focus on being a barber my dream was for me to be either a a computer programmer or an architect and that was based off my two natural skill sets being good at math as well as art that's amazing you know uh, you're in good company there because um you know Vidal Sassoon that was his desire his desire was to be an architect and 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 he couldn't afford to go to school or he couldn't afford to uh, to to do architect school so he just used his passion to create um to create geometric shapes and in, in hair that that you know that literally changed our industry overnight well wow. I wouldn't say overnight that, but literally changed our industry so now you can understand why why I said early, during our, our pre-call that I appreciate people who are dedicated to their craft and focus on just you know, no excuses and, and, and just getting stuff done because um, no matter what the circumstances are, there's no excuse for you not being able to perform. There's, there's, there's no excuses. And uh, with me, with me focusing on that one, just because of my own journey of having different challenges in life, having different things thrown my way, none of those things were ever an excuse for me not to be satisfactory at what I'm doing. So um, first that level of challenge of me trying to figure out what I want to do in my life was I'm going to Temple University taking up computer information sciences. Um, I got bored with it because sitting in front of a computer with all these, you know, O's and ones and coding that C++ and C++ and Unix, um, it was just boring to me. So I said, no, let me just switch my major. So I switched to, uh, to accounting and then um, finished out two years. And in that process, during that time, I'm cutting hair and I'm also gaining celebrity clientele, but I still didn't love it. I'm good at it, but I still didn't love it. And I got access to, uh, you know, this training to get to acquire my license. I still didn't love it, but I have all this stuff to just, you know, that guy was orchestrating around me, but I didn't make the decision just yet. And it wasn't until the Twin Towers got hit that I was prevented from registering for my third year. And I said, you know what, let me just take a semester off from school and figure out what I want to do in my life. And then from there, it took off. Did you always have that mentality growing up? Uh, like no. like, you, like we've talked about pre-talk, how, you know, work hard, dedication. Did you? No, all- no, no, I can't say that was a, um, you know, being single parent home, blended family, um, you know, just having a lot of different challenges growing up. Um, not always living with my mom. Uh, my mom, she ended up being slipped to Mickey when she was um, when she was at when she was in college. So I had to spend some time being raised with my grandma. 
dad wasn't around like that one. So um, there's been a lot of different challenges in my, in my, in my childhood that's caused me to not be fully developed into a man that through traditional ways. So I experienced a lot of heartache and, and, and disappointments and letdowns. And what I realized was that the more I waited for other people to do stuff for me, things would never get done. And I can language it now, I couldn't language it then, but I believe it's the most powerful thing in the world is for you to accept responsibility and take accountability and have realistic expectations from the people that surround you and versus you waiting for somebody else to, to do something. You, be, you empower yourself by you doing something to work on you versus waiting for somebody else to do something for you. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's, that has certainly been the big lesson in, in my life. Unfortunately, you know, I was in my 40s before I kind of, and, and, and honestly, it's not even in my 40s. It's an everyday, like, practice. It's an everyday practice saying, like, okay, well, I'm thinking, like, like my wife should do this, or I'm thinking like, you know, the universe should do this, but it take, I have to go back and go like, no, you have to do this. You're responsible for this. And, and you have to do this because nobody's going to do it the way you want it. And nobody's going to do it better. And, and it can't be somebody else's expectation. It has to be your own. Definitely. So definitely. So, um, I think it's very empowering for you to take responsibility. Even if there was a circumstance that took place between the three of us, and I can honestly say that all of us were involved with why I didn't work the way I wanted to do work. I wouldn't put the heavy emphasis on what you guys responsibility and part in it. I will figure out what I can do differently so that it wouldn't possibly happen again. That's the most empowering thing that I can do versus pointing a finger at you to say, you know what? We're not going to achieve success because of what you didn't do. Right. No, I can't. I can't, I can't be satisfied with that one. I get it, man. You get, you get what I'm saying? I got to focus on now in the, in the, um, in the heat of the moment, there are times where emotions can cause you to focus on others. But when the dust settles, that has to be the time where you have to do self-evaluations. I had shared with you early guys earlier that I, the book that I, I'm digesting now is called 33 strategies of war. And one of the things that talked about is self-directed warfare and one of the things that I believe that, I, that I'm able to language because of me accessing information from this book, but I believe that life experiences have already taught me this one is that you have to focus on yourself in the midst of different things. And you got to have what's called enough mental fortitude to be able to focus on being in the present and not being able to be distracted from any event that's happened in most recent past. Wow. Let me give you an example of what I mean. I got caught up in the language by telling everybody that I believe that 2020 sucked. Right. I echoed the same thing that everybody else said. Yep. It sucked. The barber industry was, was, was hit. We were actually closed down during the most lucrative quarters of our, of our careers. Uh, we missed graduations, proms, Mother's Day, everything you could think of that which the barber would make a lot of money in. We missed out on it because of, not because of the, not because of the, the lack of, uh, of being able to work because of COVID is because of governmental limitations in response to COVID. I'll explain later why I made a, 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 a distinction of why that the two is different. But then also losing one of my best friends and that being associated with COVID, um, you know, just, just, just the year in itself, based on my own personal experiences and others, I could have said that it sucked. And I echoed it. But when the dust settles, 
and I got a chance to analyze everything in its totality, it's a great year. Probably one of my best ever. Why but it had some challenges in the midst of it. Um, I will, I'm big on legacy. I'm big on figuring out what I can do to, to change the narrative of the industry. So I got to tell you why, why I chose to be a barber. And I got to also tell you why I never wanted to be a barber <laughs> in order to answer the question of why sure. I say that 2020 was a great year. I said, I didn't want to be a barber because growing up in West Philadelphia, the barbershops that I knew came off to be, in my opinion, to be hood barbershops that didn't have role models within them. So I didn't look at the guys doing this, using this as a profession and saying that this is why I wanted to be. Number one reason why is because everybody sold hats, CDs, DVDs, and they were street pharmacists at the same time. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So everybody sold everything else outside of just haircuts. So it really wasn't even presented to me that haircutting was the business that you actually really chose. It was the people business and selling whatever you can is what they chose. I didn't want to do that. I'm not a salesman. Right. I'm an artist. <laughs> I'm a creative thinker. I'm not a salesman. So I didn't want to be a part of that. Fast forward to uh, why I chose it is that once I got a chance to get a taste of the barber industry and I started experiencing things outside of the barbershop, being able to work with some of the most legendary musicians you can think of and being invited outside of the barbershop to work in, in, in studios and to see stuff from a different perspective, going to different trade shows and once I got a chance to see that, I'm like, man, there's some dedicated barbers who are really professional that I don't see in my neighborhood that I'm now being able to be around. And also there's different experiences that I'm about to see that's like, oh, this is huge. This is legendary. I want that. I don't want what I, I don't want what I see. I want what I don't see as often. That's what I want to duplicate. And I want to add a level, level of professionalism to the industry so that I can actually be a part of that story. During the pandemic, at its height, our industry was targeted to say that because of the desire to mitigate the spread of COVID, this industry is labeled as non-essential and has to shut down. Because I built a lot of relationships with barbers through me being an Andes educator, traveling the world, building relationships with different barbers, I already had relationships with barbers and was echoing the same frustrations. We started coming together to figure out how can we label ourselves as essential? How can we actually come up with a strategy of how we can work and not transmit diseases because it's already in our scope already. 1,250 hours of training that are primarily about protecting the public and not about how to do a great fade. Right. Barber school doesn't teach you how to be a great barber. It teaches you how to be a safe barber. So if that's the language that is being communicated within school, why isn't that our state respecting the fact that we are trained to keep the public safe? We are already responsible for not transmitting a host of diseases, including HIV, and including AIDS, including TB, and like staph infection. Just so many different things we could talk about right. that if we are a cesspool, that we would have been shut down because of not being safe with other things. That's it. Do you know, we came I, together. Tariq Jackson was a part of this. Part of this uh, I, I like to say a consortium, and I consider Tariq Jackson to be an additional thought leader. He's a part of the part of our thought leaders, and we came up with this this idea that we need to present to our government of a list of different ways in which we can actually fight for our businesses to be able to stay open. So we coined the phrase of a twenty point back to work safety proposal that we can work safely. 
Like not just we can work, but we can work safely. And we came up with 20 different reasons and 20 different uh, protocols that we wanted to have barbershops throughout Pennsylvania follow so that we could work safely and smartly because we don't want to transmit COVID. We don't want to be in a situation where we ourselves contract COVID ourselves, but we want to say that we can work safely in comparison to a lot of these businesses that were labeled as essential. They're not taking COVID as seriously as we are. And here's the documentation to prove it. Right. Um, we made major strides with that one. So I think one of the reasons why Tariq said I was solid is because of, you know, I was in the trenches fighting with him for, for our industry. So to be a part of something that was legendary, bigger than me, fighting for something that I personally still haven't benefited from financially, but to know that others who are challenged financially have benefited from the fighting that myself and the consortium of barbershop owners and hair salon owners was a part of, um, that helped me fulfill the, the, the reason why I wanted to become a barber in the first place, which was to change the narrative, how professional we are, change the narrative of what we what we look like and then how much respect that we get within the community. Barbers, in my opinion, wasn't respected. And I believe that the barbers within my circle who are thought leaders themselves are respected highly for what they do. And we cause other, other men to want to be like us and cause children to have something to aspire to be like. That's the reason why I say 2020 was legendary because there was some legendary things I was a part of as a result of that. I mean, definitely. I mean, th there comes a time when, uh, when you have to rise up, right? I mean, like, like there's no, there was no better test, you know, like, like, like you live in your own narrative and your narrative was that you wanted to better the industry. You wanted to have a, you wanted to have, you wanted people to look at the industry a little bit different. And then yes. 2020 gave you the opportunity to say, you know what, it's time for me to step up for that industry because I've been, I, I've been preaching this narrative since 2001. Now it's time to step up and, and take responsibility. Yes. yes. Boom. So including in that one, 2020 included, I, I told you the bad things that happened. Um, included within that one is that there was some um, there were some major TV shows that I was able to be a part of. Um, I was able to do a presentation in front of the DNC for in front of millions. Uh, I was able to introduce uh, our, our VP. I was the first person to actually call her v VP in front of millions. Wow. Um, I was able to uh, do that presentation. The funny thing is, um, a large amount of people was, was impressed with the idea that I was able to introduce her as VP on a major platform. I was more impressed with this idea. Um, for years, I've worked with a bunch of musicians and artists, um, getting them groomed for the main stage. I worked with Lady Gaga for four different tours, worked with John Legend for one tour, and for two different, two di on two different major occasions, I got a chance to work with, uh, with Common. And all three people that I mentioned were performing the same night that I got a chance to introduce the VP. And I went on stage after them. And in the music industry, they fight over who's going to be the headliner, who's going to be the, the last person on the stage. And for me to be a part of, me to be known in those circles, so they know who I am on a first name basis. And I've only been known as a person who's an accessory to help them look good on stage. And for me to be given a seven minute speech on stage after them, for me was legendary. Oh, the next thing I was a part of that I, I thought was legendary is this Fluid 2 project that Anderson Company allowed me to be a part of. Um, it means a lot to me. It, it, it's, some, it's some historical context that goes along with it. It's much deeper than what it looks like on the surface. It's, it's definitely some intention behind it. And I, I will share with you, uh, if you have any questions, just jump in, but I will share with you a little bit of why, uh, just offering a little bit of context. Uh, 
uh, this past year, I got a chance to interview uh, a gentleman named Atari Turner. Atari Turner, he's a former supermodel with uh, Sean John, and he's evolved into being a movie producer. And at this point, he has 57 movies under his belt. And now he has a partnership with Jamie Foxx and a dis distribution deal with Sony. So he's legendary in what he's doing as a producer, but he started off as a supermodel. And I asked him a question of what made you go from being a supermodel to being a producer? And he said, as a supermodel, I was being represented by the public with somebody else's idea. I had to fulfill somebody else's idea of what I look like and what I was supposed to represent and how I'm supposed to come across. So the, the language of what people supposed to interpret of me is not dictated by me, it's dictated by the producer of the content that I'm a part of. Is that I got tired of that one because of me being misrepresented or represented differently than I would want to represent myself. So producers are the most valuable people in the world because they create content that most of the world as followers digest and I can control how I'm represented. Right, right. You know, it's, that's, it, it, yeah, that's pretty mind blowing right there. It, it is pretty mind blowing. And we're, we're at a really like interesting time right now because just, just, you know, to follow up what you were saying, like you have like, you have like what Kevin Hart's up to, you have like what the rock is up to. And like, you know, the rock should have never had a career outside of the ring. Right. And, and, and Kevin Hart should have never had a, had a career outside of the microphone, but, but what they've done in, in, in the time that we're in now, and I don't know why certainly, but, but they're able to like create different avenues for themselves. Like, like Kevin Hart's like an executive at some bank or something who, who, who's leading up and he's a Philly boy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah it definitely, is. definitely Kevin, is. He's another person that, and, I respect for their hard work. Yeah. I mean, they, they put in the work, but it's just really interesting how like in this day and time that, that, that you can kind of like, you know, shift your, shift your lanes, you know, where, where I don't think it was ever, it certainly wasn't, it, I don't think it was available 20 years ago to anybody, but certainly to be an African-American in this country, it definitely wasn't available to you. And, and just to kind of watch the shift happen is amazing. Definitely. So um, I'm, I'm glad you brought, brought that up is because of the, the insensitivity towards uh, the appreciation of, of culture has been a part of my life journey and what I wanted to actually represent. Um, I'm African-American and Irish. Duncan is Irish. And it's interesting because uh, with me having a lighter skin, I've been accepted into certain areas. And with me being as intentional about my words and being having an a analytical mind has allowed me to thrive as a barber. But the interesting thing is I still represent my, my African-American heritage and there's certain spaces that I've been invited to, even while working with the Andes company that uh, has created opportunities for me to deal with the tension that exists but I've been able to navigate and fight through it and come out on the successful side of certain things. And um, this, this, this project, Fluid, is going to be another one of those uh, opportunities for me to uh, navigate through some of the most sensitive times in America because there's no better time right now than to deal with this topic when the, comp the country is divided based off of, I, some people will say it divided off of race. I believe it's divided off of class and culture more so than it is race. Um, it's not based off of what people look like, it's based off how people talk, how, what their thoughts is, the ideology, what they think is okay, what's not okay. And um, it causes me to, to, to this, is, this is where the psychology side comes in. I'd like to take a time to understand where people come from, but then I like to take responsibility about what I can do to actually address the issues at hand. I don't wanna 
leave it up to somebody else. I want to leave it up to me. But I like to be sensitive and understand where other people are coming from. And um, putting it towards Fluid 2, uh, Angie Perino, our director um, of education, our global education manager, rather, um, she gave me, she blessed me the opportunity to be the director for this Fluid 2 project. And I said to myself, um, I'm known to be an educator. I appreciate the opportunity to create some educational content. But the question is, what do I want to communicate more than just how to cut these specific types of haircuts? Because if it's going to be something that's, that's representing me, I had to make sure that it's quality education, but it's going to be something that's thought-provoking at the same time that calls people to have an opportunity to learn something about a culture that they may not know or have a different viewpoint. Because there are times where one thing happens in front of everybody, but depending on what color lenses that you're looking at something, it's going to cause you to look at things differently. And when you don't have opportunity to learn from another perspective or, or representation, you're going to leave with a misinterpretation of how things suddenly really exist. So I was burdened by this one thing. Um, I, I went on Google and I actually Googled professional men's haircuts. And I seen a nothing, nothing but a bunch of haircuts with individuals with straight hair. And then I Googled unprofessional men's haircuts. And then I seen a bunch of images of people with curly and kinky hair, including Denzel Washington. <laughs> and we're wearing a suit. Right, at that. And I thought it'd be interesting. I'm like, here it is, an accomplished man in a suit. And he has a fresh haircut, but he's labeled as unprofessional. I said, whoever came up with this just has a, they don't, they just don't understand. It's not because of, it's the actual truth. It's not truth. It's somebody's perspective. And what has the opportunity to, to inform somebody of a different perspective more than just something else that's universal? Barbering and haircutting is universal. Everybody knows a barber. Everybody knows somebody who's been to the barbershop if you haven't been to one. Right. It's universal language. You don't even have to speak the same language to know that you go to a barbershop to get a haircut. You can show a picture of a haircut to somebody who doesn't speak your language and point to it, they, they know that you're saying, trying to say that that's what you want. Right. So I'm going to use something that's universal that the world knows me for to communicate something that they may not get a chance to know. So I hired um, a minority a designer for as look wise um, for the purpose of creating images of professional men and women. Um, that's the reason why you see the suit jackets being worn with the imagery throughout that whole collection. I wanted to make sure that even the names, because us as the Andes educational team, we're, we're globally, we're in charge of teaching this whole entire project for 2021. And we wanted to make sure that the names of the haircuts of what we're teaching um, had some historical context to it or had some way of teaching culture as well. So that somebody who, may, who has an interest in learning how to do these particular haircuts can also be educated on some other things that go along with it to help them understand the context of why somebody will wear their hair like this one so that it don't, it won't be labeled as unprofessional anymore. Understanding context means everything. Give, give, give us an example of one of the haircuts. Great. Great. So um, one of the haircuts is called the tie-on drop. Um, tie-on is T-I-G-N-O-N. And tie-on, it was actually inspired. This is one of the haircuts created by one of the, uh, one of my partners for the project, Eric Cheek, amazing barber, amazing Andis educator and a very thought provoking individual. When you have a conversation with him, like 
we're, we're one and the same as far as <laughs> synergy and how, how we think. The haircut he created was on a female. It's a mohawk with beautiful colors and a free-flowing artistic hair, hair sculpted design that's on the side. The name derived from a law that existed in the 1700s. There's a law called the Tyan Law. If you don't believe me, Google it. <laughs> and Creole women were mandated by law to wear tie-ons, which is nothing but a head wrap, because the men of that day were attracted to their hair and other women were threatened by that. So they made a law to make sure that women had to wear a tie-on to cover their hair because of the hair being so beautiful. We're encouraging twofold. We're encouraging women to take the tie-on off, tie-on drop, drop it, take it off, embrace your natural heritage, embrace your culture, embrace who you are. And also uh, it's a form of understanding that you don't have to assimilate to being and trying to look like somebody else who you're not. So it's two levels to that one. Embrace who you are, embrace the natural heritage and be the best authentic you. Show up presently as you. Take the cover off. Take, don't hide who you are, but embrace that one. That's and deep, bro. That is, that's deep. <laughs> I, that is deep. I like that. So while we're teaching how to do a haircut, well, what's in it? why do you call it this one? Well, here's the reason why. And it has so many different applications, you know? And then um, when, you, when you look at things from that perspective, you know, like I said, I won, I won educated a year four different times. So I knew that the type of step-by-step education we were going to provide was going to be seamless. So I, I didn't even worry about how we were going to teach it. I just wanted to make sure that I focus on what else we were going to teach based off what we see visually and what additional things that we're going to be able to teach audibly um, for people to be able to get a comprehensive whole view on what we're teaching. Yeah, and unfortunately, we do live like because the internet and everything is so easy access and yes. so many things are, are misrepresented. Yes. So people absorb this stuff and, there, and it, there's not enough, you know, I'm going to say it, not, there's not enough diversity, but there's not enough like real information. These young people are just people absorbing in general. Right. So mm -hmm. it, it, I love that, man. I, I, I love what you're doing and how you're doing it. And, Dude, that, that's D. I, I'm, I'm, you're in. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're in. Yeah. So, I, like I said, uh, that was huge. Uh, I, I'm in. I'm in debt to the Andes Company for allowing me to have that type of, of power. How did you get connected with the Andes? Um, back in February 2005, uh, I went to a trade show to do a barber competition. Uh, I was there. Uh, me and my partner had created a barber poster. As soon as we go to the barber shop and people pick out exactly how they're gonna get the haircut. Me and my partner, we created a bunch of barber posters. So we set up as a vending booth at a trade show. And I seen some barbers on stage cutting hair and educating people how to cut hair. And I said, I want to do that. I want to, because I, I became attracted to the stuff outside of the barbershop versus in the barbershop. So I said, I seen something else I want to do. I want to do that one. And then I said, because I'm a boxing fan, I believe that in boxing, in order for you to be the best, you had to beat the best. That's how the ranking goes. Like you can't, I can be undefeated and fight nobody good. That doesn't mean that I'm the best. Right. right. So with that being my mentality, how I've been raised, I said, in order for me to feel like I'm worthy of standing on the stage to educate somebody, I have to enter into a competition and beat the best in order for me to be labeled as one of the best that the Andes company will want to come, come seek. Or I can submit it on my application, on my resume to say, this is the reason why you should hire me. When I won a competition, 
they said that um, the winner of the, comp- the winner of the uh, competition is going to be an educator for our company for one year. That was February two thousand five, awesome. two thousand six. I was supposed to be done. <laughs> His term is up. And Fourteen yeah. years later, after that, it's <laughs> still here. Hey, Tom, you guys, Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom, Tom Brady. Hey, do you have you to did, keep winning every year to keep your uh, to keep your contract for a year? Not winning that same competition, but I believe that I've made it hard for uh, me to be replaced, just because um, a I don't I don't try to stay the same. My right. goal is to make sure I continue to evolve, continue to be an asset, continue to develop additional skill sets. And most barbers in this space don't do that. Um, and because I, I feel as though I add additional levels of value as I continue to go, um, that in itself makes it uh, makes it more of an asset. Be anything. so valuable that they can't get rid of you. So, <laughs> so you said you're a boxing fan. Who's who's the who's the greatest boxer ever? Who's the best? Who who fought them all? Who fought them all, Kenny? So early on, I'm I'm not a boxing fan now because of the, the because of the politics. Early on, I was a uh, a Bernard Hopkins fan. Oh yeah, um, because he he wanted to fight everybody. His heart, his resiliency is, is amazing. And, and then of course, of course, he's from you know Philly. you know Bernard Hopkins wanted to fight everybody, and nobody wanted to fight Bernard. Hey, you know <laughs> I was at Roy Jones Bernard Hopkins uh, their fight in D.C. Were you? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, That's a good one. I thought Bernard won that too, and it was a well, you know, yeah. Roy. Yeah, go yeah. back to the politics. Anyways, go ahead. I don't want to go to the politics. Yeah, that's, Bernard that's exactly what takes place. And then um, I also was a fan of of, of De La Hoya, uh, oh, Oscar yeah. De La Hoya. Oscar. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is, I'm, I was a fan of his, and I was a fan of how he transitioned to be a promoter. But what I don't like now is the politics that gets played in played in Boston, and he's a part of that. Yeah, because right now, people don't see it. I, I believe Floyd Mayweather was the one of the greatest in the lightweight division. Outside of the lightweight division, he has never fought the best in his division. While they were being the best, he always handpicked people who were the best at other divisions or people that were lower that always gave him an advantage. Right. So, it's he's he's, he's unblemished in the public's eye. But in my eyes, as a boxing fan, because I appreciate when people fight the best, there's fights that he ducked that I, I would have loved for him to, to actually uh, engage in. And that he wasn't was, that was Bernard Hopkins from Detroit? Mm, Philadelphia. He's yeah, a Philly he's, fighter. He's a Philly oh, okay. fighter. Yeah, Philly yeah. fighter. Yeah. I was just about to goof on you, Kenny. I was like, man, all these fighters are not one Philly fighter. Come on. Uh, no, no, no. We, we, we've, had, we've, we've had a, we've had a couple. Philly, Philadelphia is known for the uh, for the for the boxing history. Um, boxing richness, but uh, Bernard Hopkins is definitely one of the legendary ones from the, from the area that I, like I said, I, I still have a high respect for him even today, even through his losses yeah. because of his resiliency, his desire to fight through it. I mean, you know, he's 113 years old. So, you know, you, you can give you can give him a little bit. <laughs> hey, listen, I, 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 I tend to favor the older guys that are, you know, that are still performing now. at a high level. <laughs> you know who is one of my favorite fighters that who fought everybody Evander Holyfield. Yeah. He Definitely so. Oh, Definitely so. You know? And, and and he was the opposite of uh, of what you of your assessment of Mayweather because he would step up or step down to fight anybody. He wasn't dodging. Yeah, he was fine in the fights. Yeah. yeah. You know? Now, to Mayweather's point, business-wise, it wasn't the best strategy. But when it comes to comes to, uh, to brute and being able to say that you're the best, he's gotten the ultimate respect from me from the mentality of just, you know, 
doing what you got to do, irregardless, no excuses, to be able to fight the best. As an you know, entrepreneur like and a businessman, he's definitely number one. <laughs> yeah, Mayweather? Man. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, hands, yeah, yeah. Hands, 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 hands down. Um, but I would have to say, um, De La Hoya is the run that's behind it all. Right. Yeah, hey. There's documented proof behind that one. Right. Like, he's the one that's behind that one. Oscar. Um, yeah, he definitely is. Yeah. I remember when, when no, no, I don't want to get too sidetracked, just, just, just for a second. The, the proof of that one was when him and 50 Cent started arguing back and forth about, about money, he published on social media a check from his last fight. But the funny thing is, the check was written from Golden Boy Promotions to right. his company. Everybody seen that HBO was the host of the fight. That was a platform. HBO paid Golden Boy. Golden Boy played Floyd Mayweather. That's it. Wow. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. If you don't believe me, just Google that check. And you'll see. No, no, I definitely believe you. Yeah. Mm. Hey, Kenny, you, you, you said that, um, you know, you're reading uh, 33 Strategies of War. Um, mm. What other, like, like we're big fans of affirmation and stuff. What else do you do to keep the brain clear? And, 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 and do you have affirmation type of, of uh, mantras or affirmation type of uh, disciplines? So... There's been there's been layers of things that I've been able to do to help me get, keep me in a good space. Number one, I try to keep myself around good people. I believe that uh, as a barber, I've been blessed with the opportunity to cultivate what I like to call a success cluster. Mm-hmm. I like to have uh, different individuals from different walks of life that are great at what they do to be clients. And I'm paid to have conversations that help me more than anything. Like the, one of the additional books I'm reading right now is called uh, Talk. Uh, it's called um, uh, talking with strangers. And um, the funny thing is that was based off a conversation I had most recently with a client of mine, Jimmy Butler. And um, we were just talking about resiliency and understanding things from different perspectives. And that became a reference within a conversation. So I'm now sourcing other information from something from somebody who I respect for the hard work and dedication um, to what they do that allows them to perform at a high level, even though that they are not the most talented individual in the world but their work ethic allows them to outperform people who are more talented than them. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's so true. You know, we, we've talked about that. Like if you put it, if you're consistent and put in the work, you're, you're going to get ahead. Listen, yeah. the, the, the secret to life, you know, is, is, is that word there. And that's consistency. You know, Definitely you can, better. you can be consistently bad and you, and you'll, and you'll move forward. You know, it's being consistent. That doesn't mean like sabotage yourself. And that's a big, you know, thing that we do is we sabotage ourselves. but, but, but just be consistent, fail your way upward the entire time. You know, that's- you'll have to learn something, something in the process, because I believe that for me in my life experiences, that failures have been my greatest teachers. Nuggets of wisdoms have been found in my failures because I learned what not to do. You know what I mean? And sometimes the heartache and pain that you may get from the results of your failures is enough. And that becomes valuable for that fuel, for that, for that energy to not want to return to that place again. And that's the reason why I yielded uh, to, that, to this mentality of I can't let somebody else be in charge of my heartache and pain. Nope. Because if I'm going to continue to experience something because of you, that's a weak position because it's almost like a woman waiting for somebody to take her out on a date. No, I want to buy my own food. I don't want to wait for somebody to actually buy something for me. Right. And I, I, I use that in the context because traditionally when a date takes place, it's usually a man asking a woman and traditionally it's the man paying for it. 
So I'm not trying to be sexist. <laughs> no, nah, you're good, um, man. But just going based off traditional understanding of how that works. Is it the equivalent of somebody waiting around for somebody to do something for you that's important to you? No. Be empowered yourself to do something that's going to be beneficial for you and the people that you love. You know the product WD-40? Yes. You know why it's called WD-40? I do not. They failed. They failed with the formulation 39 times prior to that. So WD-40 means water displacement 40, and they failed 39 times before they came up with it. Isn't that crazy? Wow. So if they wow. got a one, if they got a one ingredient earlier, it'd have been WD thirty nine, right? <laughs> you know, which doesn't quite flow wow. off the, the the lips as well. But wow. but yeah, WD forty failed thirty nine times before they came. Thank up you for that empowerment because you just gave me some some. I love to have you know powerful phrases uh-huh. be be uh, something that simplifies something that's complicated, um, and you just gave me another another phrase another analogy to use to help drive home that point. Oh, own it, man, own it. All right, Ken, I'm gonna hold you. I'm gonna hold you to the fire a little bit. Because, you. because you, 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 you've, you, you've talked about the way that you believe in life and, 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 yes. and, and, and I respect that, um, where my challenge is, and, and, and I'm asking if you have the same challenges is that Ooh. I have an idea of how I want to live my life, but sometimes in the moments, um, I need to, I need to capitalize on those or not capitalize on them, but I need to remind myself that, you know what, I need to be better. I have a goal of being better. So when you like, let's say you mess up, like, let's say, for instance, I have, this has come up on the podcast a couple of times, but I, I have a theory of giving. And, and my theory of giving is that you give with zero expectation of return, right? So it, it's always been a gift. And, 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 and a simple example of that is like, if I hold the door open for somebody and they don't say thank you, that used to bother me a lot, right? I'd be like, come on, man, you couldn't say thank you. But then yeah, I, had, I, had to, I had to change my narrative and say, you know what? I did this for the betterment of whatever, but it wasn't for an investment. I wasn't invested in this. This was given as a gift. So what that does is now, but at times I still open that door for Tony. He doesn't say thank you. And, 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 and it flies through my head like, oh, why didn't he say thank you? But then my, my, how I level myself out is because then I have that mantra, like it was given as a gift. And then I can, then I'm allowed to let those feelings go elsewhere. Do you have any mantras or like, you know, when you're trying to be your best self or you're, you know, you're trying to be there when... What happens when you catch yourself not being your best self? Um, I blame myself. I don't, I, don't, I don't like to blame others. I blame myself. You guys, you guys uh, were, you, you, you will understand this one because you, you, you guys created this backdrop. I believe that there are some people in life that are designed to be same people people. They're designed to rub you the wrong way. God created them to <laughs> rub you the wrong way. I like that. Right? And if we were a wood surface and a sandpaper person rubbed up against us, if it rubbed you the wrong way is because you had impurities. It's because you weren't smooth. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about whether they rubbed you or not. Right. That's going to be there. Right. Expect that they're going to be there. Right. But if, if I got rubbed the wrong way, it's, pointing out something that I need to work on to help me become smoother. Mm. I like that. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you for helping me realize there's something else that I need to work on. I love that perspective. I love that perspective <laughs> of being inward. Um, you yeah. know, a, another thing too, that, that, that I've taken into my practice is that when, when, when I've, when I've messed up, right. That 
where before I would like to, I'd push it away, like, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal or, oh, that was so-and-so's fault. Um, within my practice is I like to sit in it. I like to sit in like the pain of it because the, because me sitting in the pain of me messing up is, is insurance that it's not going to happen again. Because mm-hmm. instead of going back to like, oh, that was Tony's fault. Now I have to go back and I go, you know what? I sat on that for an hour and it didn't feel good. You know, so now it gives me, it gives me, uh, I don't know, the discipline or the whatever that, that, that didn't feel good, you know, as opposed to just living in it. Plus, if you say it was my fault, you're going to sit back in it when it happens again. Exactly. That's it. So, so there's no way that I'm going to grow if I blame Kenny for it. There's no way that I'm going to grow if I, if I, if I, if I, if I blame Tony for it. The only, the only growth is to sit in it and to feel it. It's like, it's like a self, it's not discipline, not discipline in the sense of I'm being good, but discipline as in my dad pointing my finger at me. Like I'm self, I've been, I've been disciplined and, and I did it to myself. And that's, yeah. been, that's been, that's been, now sometimes I don't know that I need to sit in it. Let me be real clear. Like sometimes that's, that's part of the practice too. But, but I mean, Tony will tell you a couple of times where, where, where he's had to bring something to my attention. And then, and then actually funny being the good friend that he is, he'll try to back out of it. Hey, listen, you were really bad in this situation, but we're going to be okay. And I've actually had to stop Tony and be like, you know what? No, I was really bad in that situation. And I'm going to sit in it for a little bit. And I'd sit in it for about 30 or 40 minutes. I'd feel it. I, I would hurt. I would like, you know, whatever those emotions that, that were going through, I knew that those emotions were going to make me better tomorrow. And I knew it was going to make us better for our relationship better for for everything so i needed to sit in that and 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 that's been that's been game changing for me you know thank god it doesn't happen often but it, it's certainly at 20 it would have happened every day right, <laughs> right? but as i've so, gotten older i think that i'm building expectations that disappointments are going to happen and and also understanding that that i believe i personally believe that god has designed these type of interactions that we have with people and I think an example of that one is before the pandemic, I was flying in the airport um, at least like five times a month, sometimes six times a month. I was in the airport often. I don't like going to the airport uh, late. I mean, uh, early. Um, I will go there just enough time for me to get through the security. As soon as I'm walking up, the plane is boarding. Oh, right? you're that guy. Yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> and, and, and my success rate of, of catching flights is, is, is very high. And my, because time is short now. I don't want to just waste a whole bunch of time not doing nothing, being productive. So speed bumps became my enemy because I want to get to my gate. I want to get to the to be able to check in at the right time for my bag to make it. Your bag cannot be checked 45, uh, at 44 minutes, but at 45 minutes, you can still check your bag. So if I'm going through the expressway and now I'm going into the airport and there's speed bumps, I now got to slow down before I get to my gate, to my terminal, right? But speed bumps, when you anticipate them coming, they don't bother you. Even though you don't like them, they don't bother you. They don't get you emotionally upset because you know that they're there and you can prepare for them. You can slow down as they come. And as soon as you get off of them, you speed up a little bit. You got one coming up. You slow down a little bit. Then you speed up a little bit because you understand what you can do and what you can't do based on the design. First, take understanding of why it's designed that way. Safety crowded area you're trying to drive fast all the way through somebody's bound to get hurt it's designed to make sure that everybody stays safe it's the safest principle for everybody in that space but it bothers you because it doesn't allow you to do what you want to do during the time you want to do it right it's okay to have things that exist that you don't like but you can appreciate the benefit that it provides for the bigger picture 
Right. The only time you get pissed off with something in the road is an unexpected pothole. You didn't see it. <clears throat> you're missing. Oh. You're mad. Right. You're mad because it was unexpected. So I go into it with this mentality. In certain areas, I'm expecting for the roads to be messed up. So I'm looking for it. I have to prepare for it. And that's how we have to go into some relationships. If you had the mentality that things are not always going to be perfect, if you go into it with that mentality, you won't have the expectation that they're supposed to say thank you when you hold the door open for them because they might be having a bad day because they may be that sandpaper person or they may be cultivated to be that one because of something else that happened that ain't had nothing to do with you. Right. Or your success can be a reflection to them of what they aren't doing. And that can cause them to have a trigger within themselves because they're not living up to what you're doing. And you're having a great day and they can throw somebody, it can potentially throw you off if you're worried about that. I'm just, I'm just speaking through some of my life experiences that called sure. me to the point of saying, you know what? You got to go into, you got to go into these interactions expecting unperfection. Yeah. That's true. You won't be let down. So I want to, I want to spin it back to the, the fluid two, the concept, the, 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 you know, when, when you said you looked up professional and, and unprofessional and imagery that came up, but as a culture, as a barbering culture, as a, as, as our industry, mm-hmm. can you give us uh, maybe advice or how can we change or, or make it a little bit more diverse? And when it, when, when I know that you're working on it with Andis and, and with that, but as a, as a whole, as a, as a, barbering society as all of us together because you know i truly believe it takes all of us to be you know uh a a family and so how can we change what's happening or 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 kind of create this unity this this diversity that that we're trying to create and embrace well i think we have to embrace change period because the world is becoming a big melting pot you know, every neighborhood you look at is just always evolving and changing. Um, the world itself is like one big blended family. Whether you like it or not, it's what's taking place between interrelational couples, interrelational relationships, and gentrification is taking place with different neighborhoods across across America. So we got to start by embracing the idea that there's certain things happening that we just cannot stop. You can't tell somebody who to love and who not to love. you get what i'm saying that and that's just what causes it so that creates this growing desire for individuals to be able to learn how to work with hair textures of individuals that typically haven't been in their neighborhood every barber and stylist becomes master at serving the people that live in their neighborhood so whatever's in your neighborhood would drive what your skill sets and specialties are when things are different then that's when it becomes oh i don't know how to do this i'm not accustomed to this one so I need to seek out information that's going to help me out with that one. That's why this fluid two became valuable because of the, the dynamics of what's happening in America today. Well, even globally, like curly hair has nothing to do with race anymore because there's so many people with blended families. And here's, a new, here's a new, another thing. More people, especially with people working from home and doing Zooms, everybody's growing their beards. You can have straight hair on your head, have curly hair in your beard, because a beard grows out with coarse hair. That's, that's just one of the things that happens with a large amount of us. So we're actually being forced to deal with something that we didn't have as a, as a, as a, as a challenge 
uh, as much as we do today, just because it was taking place. So um, I think it's first off starting off with us having an open mind to the idea that this is a this is a culture thing that needs to be embraced and not necessarily uh, a thing of, okay, I'm going to focus on what I'm used to and just stick to that. That's not going to be acceptable anymore. Uh, I, I love it. We had this conversation with Kia. Like even I was going there. I just, oh, wrote, it, I just wrote her name down. Uh, I don't know if you, if, if you, you know who uh, Kia, Kia Neal is, but uh, we had this conversation, like even in our hair schools, right? It, it's primarily taught on straight hair. Or, well, well, I, it's not taught on straight hair. It's taught in like 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 Kenny was saying. It's taught in the neighborhood in which you which you grew up, right? So like if you grew no, up to this in, point, to Tony's point, mannequins typically had straight hair, and a lot of us did practice on mannequins. I stand corrected. No, <laughs> yeah, no, no. So I, I knew I knew this. We was talking about, but because if you're talking about the 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 customers who come into the barber and beauty schools for the for the low and discount services, that's going to be based off who's in the neighborhood. But even the training man, uh, mannequins were all designed with straight hair up until recently. Pivot Point came out with a new mannequin called a Cameron that has what I would label as a 4C curl pattern of hair that allows, and it has higher density. It's the best mannequin I've ever been able to do fading on. It's the best mannequin I've ever been able to practice doing a front line on and to help define, create styles with defined curls. Um, The beautiful thing about what Anders is doing now is to pair along with Fluid Volume 2, we have hands-on virtual education that includes the Cameron mannequin. And we're only selling this for the cost of the mannequin. So the, really the education is free and people are buying the mannequin and they're getting access to all the fluid, step-by-step education with dual cameras to be able to see exactly what's taking place on multiple different angles. And we have fun throughout these uh, these hands-on classes as well. We, we end up turning them to barber competitions and it, we have fun with them. Oh, that's pretty tight. That's really awesome, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna enter one of those. <laughs> one of those You're gonna love it. You go, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's super, we have super fun. Uh it's enough for it's enough information for it's, enough, it's simple enough for the novice to learn, but it's so much information that even the more advanced barbers and hairstyles can learn how to do something and pick up some tricks that's gonna empower them for greatness. So where are those classes held? In your home. In your perfect <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're virtual education. They're, they're, you go to Andis.com. And you'll be able to see the links to be able to, uh, to sign up for the virtual education. But you could do it from wherever you're at. That's awesome. It's a beautiful part. That's awesome. beautiful. And, and network with individuals from across the world who are just as passionate as you. People who are passionate dive into education to become better at themselves. Those are the people you need to network to have a part of your success cluster. All right, Kenny. That's how it happens. Kenny, correct me where I'm wrong. So the pivot point mannequin is called the Cameron, right? So if I want to take the yes. Candace class, I want to order a pivot point. I don't know what the turnaround time on is, but you no, know, no, you, you you get when you when you pay for that class through the Andes website, we ship you that mannequin. Oh, perfect. So it'll be a couple of weeks before I can actually take the class because I'm waiting on my mannequin to come in. Uh, less less than a week. I think the next class oh, we have is, uh-huh. is, is is the next class we have is the 15th of this month. Uh-huh. And I believe today is the last day to order for that one. But we've been doing some promotional stuff before that one. And then we have a calendar of the next ones that's coming up as well. So that you can actually choose what look you want to be a part of learning. All right. That's perfect. Um, but that mannequin is called a, uh, the Cameron, right? So if, oh, the Cameron, yes. Okay, awesome. So if you you wanted to learn, you know, whether it's through the Andes or whether it's, if you just want to learn that yes. extra hair, that, that you can get the Cameron. And Definitely you, so. You can I highly Cameron. recommend it. I think every hair school in the country should have a Cameron and a Karen. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. And, and, to, and to your point, I got to respect 
Karen's pers- perspective. Doesn't mean I had to agree with it. I had to take time to e- at least respect it and understand it. Right. It goes oh. both ways. I don't it know if you have to understand ways. it. I think you just have to respect it because, uh, you know, there's something. You don't no, have when to I say understand it, when I understand and say it, I, I mean, try to understand where that person is coming from. Right. Not, not to say that you would agree with it. Right. Because nobody's going to agree with you and nobody's going to agree with you only because oh, yeah. I, no, no, it's the thing. I haven't lived your life experiences, like your lived experiences I haven't been through. So your ideas are supposed to be different than mine. Right. The only thing I can do is ask questions to understand what is it that you went through that brought you to this particular point. That can help me understand it and respect it. But I can say, because I know this, 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 and this, I have to disagree. That you, you are one very evolved human being, Kenny, and I appreciate <laughs> your time with this. Hey, Kenny, if people want to find you, how do they, uh, how do they look you up? Well, first off, I want everybody to make sure that they're following Andis Clippers. That's the first thing I want you to make sure you're, you're following. Um, the latest and greatest from Andis is always going to be posted throughout the social media platform. And then I want you to go to the Master Barber School. Make sure that you're actually joining in there for a series of, of educational uh, summits. I mean, educational uh, resources. But then also make sure that you go to the Andis.com and look for Fluid Volume 2, the virtual hands-on education to go along with the actual uh, uh, whole entire project which is a great resource for everybody to have. But if you want to catch up with me personally, you want to follow me at K Duncan Grooming, or you can reach, you can read any of my blogs or any information from my store on KennyDuncan.com. Boom. Kenny Duncan, I love this. Thank you very much for hanging out with us. Um, yeah, I uh, I learned a bunch and validated a bunch, and 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 and, 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 and I'm definitely going to check out those books too because those are super uh, interesting to me. And we could say Tyreek, you're right. You say Tyreek right? <laughs> Maybe that'll be the title of the podcast. Kenny Duncan, <laughs> solid. Yeah. Oh man, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it, man. You guys were uh, were a pleasure to, to have some good conversations with. And once again. Um, you inspire me with that with that backdrop, man. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, man. I, no, seriously, I, I like I like to have the, the reclaimed materials around. I, I, I like that idea. That's that's pretty dope. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you for joining us on your day off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find... Actually, you can. You can find their music on um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>